You're listening to the official Dietitian Connection podcast. This podcast gives you access to the most successful and influential experts in the dietetic profession. This podcast will inspire you, it will challenge you, and it will empower you to become a nutrition leader and realize your dreams. Hello, welcome to today's podcast. My name is Kate Agnew. I'm the Marketing and Communications Director at Dietitian Connection. Um, I'm so excited to be hosting a podcast with Chloe McLeod today. Chloe is an advanced sports dietitian, author and specialist in IBS. Uh, food tolerances and anti-inflammatory eating. Chloe is also the creator of the FODMAP Challenge, which is an online course that helps her clients take control of their gut health and improve symptoms for of IBS for better quality of life. And Chloe is one of the most enthusiastic, open and interesting dietitians I've ever met. And so, Chloe, I'm so looking forward to chatting with you on the show and learning more about how you're helping hundreds of people with IBS through the FODMAP Challenge and a lot of your other activities. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today, Kate. Um, and thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Um, I feel very, I'm sitting here blushing a little bit, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And again, thank you so much for your time. Um, so I feel like I sort of, I know you quite well, Chloe, because we, we spend just time communicating together on social media and, um, yeah, and I've seen you at a uh, you know a few events here and there. But you know what I really I love to ask the question of um, of guests that I have on the show. What are three words that describe you? So I'd love if you could uh, let us in, uh, let, give us an insight into that if you can. For sure. And um, so I was thinking about this when you sent sent through the questions the other day, and um, I think you know there's so many different things that can spring to mind, but um, probably the the top three would be determined, um, caring, and focused. So I guess the the reason I think those three in particular is um, usually once I've set my mind to doing something, um, I'll do my absolute best to achieve it. Um, so I've, I think I've always been that way. Speaking with um, my, my parents always say, you're so determined to get everything done. So I guess I've sort of always been that way. Um, I think I'm I'm very, I know I'm very caring and maybe sometimes care a little bit too much, which I think is probably a, a quality a lot of dietitians can um, can relate to. And I think whether that's in looking at um, working with individual clients or working um, in other spaces in dietetics, that's certainly, I think, a, a helpful quality to have. And focused, um, you know, I think focused is really important when you're running a business and um, having that focus to be able to achieve both your own personal and, and business goals. Wow, that sounds like a really good package of qualities. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's awesome and I totally agree with the the point that you made about caring and it really is what makes dietitians so good at their jobs, isn't it? I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So, Chloe, what are you most passionate about as a dietitian? Um, so I guess it sort of fits into the, the caring side of things as well is that um, I just really love being able to help um, other people to be the healthiest version of themselves. So whether that's through working with someone with food intolerances so that they can 
feel confident to like leave the house, um, which for, for some of us, it's like, how can that be? But, you know, that's, that's a common occurrence, um, when working in this space that, you know, if someone's got better control of their, their bowel motions and aren't needing to run to the bathroom, um, as sort of quickly as they might have been in the past, it can be, um, really life changing and have a huge impact on their quality of life. Um, but that's also right through to obviously work. I work with athletes as well. And, you know, there's, there's nothing quite like being able to help. Yeah. Like one of the athletes that you're working with win that gold medal or, um, you know, be part of that premiership winning team. And so I think regardless of, you know, if it's whatever the space is, if you can help someone to achieve their goals and, um, be the healthiest selves, um, I just find it so satisfying being able to, um, play a part in that. And is that what keeps you going as a dietitian? Certainly. Yeah. yeah. So some days are certainly tougher than others, um, but I think that's all part of the process and part of all the learning. Um, but, you know, then, you know, you get the little wins of um, – I think I, I shared a little comment on my Instagram stories the other day. One of my clients sent me a message. She um, had her menstrual cycle for the um, three months in a row for the first time ever since we'd started working together. and. Um, that's just was such a huge thing for her but um like from a personal perspective just so nice to not only to see the progress that she's made but also to see how happy she is about the progress she's making as well and yeah it's really really nice yeah and isn't that interesting it's all about what it means to the client isn't it exactly exactly right yeah um sort of something we're talking about before we started recording you know um the value that the client can see and um you know it's really nice that you know this person took the time out of her day to give that feedback back to me and and yeah it makes you feel good and that sort of kind of leads me to my next question around the FODMAP challenge I think it's an incredible idea you're leveraging online tools creating an online community and it's even international so can you please tell us a bit more about the FODMAP challenge and what inspired you to create it um of course and and thank you um it's um it's been a massive learning journey since I started it a couple of years ago and um loads of loads of fun and and lots of learning as I said so um in case anyone's not aware um it is an online course for people with irritable bowel syndrome to help them to determine their triggers of IBS um I guess it, I was inspired to create it for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, I grew up in the country and so not always having access to like to specialists and whether that's like a, a dietitian specialist or a medical specialist. So I know that um, that can sometimes be challenging and I firmly think that geographical location shouldn't be a reason to not be able to access the best quality care. Um, so, and that sort of underpins a lot of the work that I do. I have quite a lot of online, online individual clients, um, along with the FODMAP challenge as well. Um, secondly, you know, I guess going back a few years, there's, um, and even more so now, um, people are getting their health information online more and more before they go in to see the doctor or before they go in to see the dietitian. And I started to notice that people were, not necessarily actually wanting to do the um, traditional one-on-one consults. And whilst we know that's gold star, that's best practice, um, I thought, well, if they're not going to do that, it's still going to be better for them to have access to um, correct, credible information to take them through the process. And also, and what I've seen through doing the challenge is 
quite often that will then encourage them to um, take on a one-on-one session. So whether that's with a local dietitian and that's what I often encourage people to do or if they would like to work directly with myself or one of my team, um, then that happens sometimes as well. And from your experiences with clients, are you are you finding that a large proportion of them go to the internet for um, sort of answers around their IBS? And, and yes, definitely. Yeah. I think it, it would be uncommon for someone to not have done some research into IBS online before they've come to see me, um, whether it's to, through the challenge or whether it's coming and seeing me like face to face in the clinic or um, as a um, a separate online consult. Um, most people have been online to see what FODMAPS is, whether it's because maybe their doctor mentioned it or they've Googled like, um, you know, why do I have constipation or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And obviously yeah. there's a bunch of information that maybe not be, it might not be evidence-based and a bunch of products that would pop up when someone does that. So many. Yeah. And I think I think the difficulty with, with FODMAPS specifically though is because it's still a relatively new space and relatively new research it, it's changed quite a lot like I look at how like it, like the FODMAP challenge is a great example of that in how it first was a couple of years ago it's changed quite a lot mm-hmm. since then with how we do the challenges how many challenges there are the, the process through it all mm-hmm. um, and that changes because the research has changed and you know one of the most common um complaints that I find clients have is like there's so many food lists and they all contradict each other and it's because the foods are still being tested and mm. like I know Monash just updated their app and the portion sizes on their app recently as well um which is fantastic that they've done that um but I think it's also confused a lot of people as well just because it's different um like in yeah. like inverted commas um but it's it's just that it's um, because we've got more knowledge in the space now, so mm. there are some people yeah. that haven't even heard of FODMAPs before. They don't. They don't even know what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and you s- sort of say it, and then you go through fermentable oligosaccharides, etc. And they're like, "That's why you said FODMAP." Yeah, like, yeah, it sure is. <laughs> and I've had someone say to me, "That sounds like um, a load of nonsense. <laughs> it almost <laughs> sounds like something that's like beyond." science but yeah it's interesting yeah it's funny um the I've had people say that and the other thing I've had people say is they call it a food map instead and they're like I want to I want to go through the food map so I can map different things and I was like oh it's not about that um but I'm like I can see how you'd get food map from FODMAP yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so I like I we there's I've seen a, a, quite a bit about FODMAPs um, in terms of the research and um, kind of, you know, the applications for dietitians coming out. But I wondered if we could sort of backtrack a bit, maybe for those who are listening that haven't had experience with IBS or FODMAPs, if you could maybe go through, you know, a little bit about the prevalence of IBS and, and how FODMAP diet plays into it. Yeah, of course. So um, with IBS, the, the stats show that depends on which research papers you're looking at and which um, populations you're looking at. But it's we usually say somewhere between 10 and 20% of the population yeah. has irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and it's been shown that the low FODMAP diet will usually help about 75% of people with IBS um, with their symptom management. Um, stress management is also incredibly important 
in management of IBS because of the impact it can have on symptoms as well. Um, so with the FODMAP challenge, we talk quite a lot about stress management throughout the course too. Um, but through reducing intake of FODMAPs in the diet, this then helps with reducing the symptoms of IBS. So things like bloating, constipation, diarrhea, cramping, um, flatulence, they're all really common symptoms, which are obviously not very comfortable for individuals to, to be experiencing or for anyone to be experiencing. And so by taking those out of the diet or the high FODMAP foods out of the diet, this can help with reducing those symptoms from occurring. Then the the process is that you then go through an, a, a re-challenge or challenge phase, and that's where you test one type of um, FODMAP at a time to see if symptoms come back, and if they come back, then we ascertain that, yes, that's something that the person is sensitive to, and depending on when in the challenge and at what dose of the challenge food they react to, that can help us to determine how sensitive someone is. So as an example, if you're reacting day one or two, um, that would indicate that you're probably pretty sensitive to that FODMAP. However, if you're re reacting more towards the end of it, then you can probably tolerate a larger dose of that particular FODMAP. Um, it's important to do them one at a time because otherwise you won't know what you're reacting to. And I do recommend um, in most cases to go back to being low FODMAP in between um, rather than leaving it something in if there was no reaction. Um, just because of um, you know potential cross reactivity, but also um, but also just to like make it a little bit more simple for people to go like do this, go back, etc. And um, the other that said, sometimes I do leave things in depending on the person. So if the person is a vegan or a vegetarian, I'll always do the GOS or the Galacto Oligosaccharide challenge. I'll always do that first, and if they um, don't react or if they're able to tolerate a small quantity of that I'll usually leave that in just to make life a little bit easier because otherwise it can be quite challenging to meet protein needs mm. so yeah is that is it a is it um quite a large exercise in personalizing it to the person given that it's this quite high like there's quite high restriction at some point and then you might have someone's dietary preferences as well like vegetarian or so Yes, yeah, certainly. So with the challenge, um, the way that we have it set up is there's there is meal plans and recipes to follow, but there's also instructions and um, like both written and verbal on how you might modify your own recipes that you already make mm. to make them low FODMAP as well, just so that there's um, so it's a bit more robust. Um, and you know, if somebody wants something specific to follow, then they can. But if they're a bit more creative, then they've got that guidance on how they might be able to modify their recipes. And there's so many great. Um, like other websites that have other low format recipes as well. So, you know, I often encourage use of some of those too just to, to help with a bit more variety as well. Yeah. Um, when I'm working with someone individually rather than in the group challenge, then I'd personalise it even more. Um, so then, um, or, you know, go through what they're eating and I'll often then give them individual things and, you know, with your stir fry that you're making, if we just swap this in and take that out, then that will make that stir fry a low FODMAP one. That's an easy thing for them to be able to to continue to do um, mm. without them needing to go and listen to all the instructions that I have. But um, sometimes it's doing both. Imagine it can be quite overwhelming for clients who haven't heard of it before and don't have a nutrition totally. background like ourselves. Totally. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that like I – 
um, remind myself of that all the time because, you know, I'm talking about it every single day. And so because it's so familiar, it's it's familiar. But then, you know, when you're telling someone about it for the first time and they're like, what do you mean? I could, like, I shouldn't be having apples. And what do you mean? I can't put onion in my spaghetti bolognese. Um, probably the two most common things that mm. people say. And um, so it's about being really empathetic and aware that it can be overwhelming. And so um, sometimes taking a, a quite a slow approach, I think, can help people just to sort of settle into it and feel a bit more comfortable mm. with it. That's the other reason that um, that I quite like the online space to do the course in is um, we have the, a private Facebook group that people can join if they want to. Um, they don't have to if they don't want to and it's it's quite interesting. A lot of people don't actually join it. They want to, um, for whatever reason, uh, they would prefer to, to not have that interaction. But the people who are in the group, I know that they really value being able to speak with, with other people who have the same condition and feel like they're not alone in the right. space because it can feel a little bit socially isolating yeah I think. yeah and I guess that brings that kind of community um group aspect to it as well yeah exactly um about um probably nearly 18 months ago now um I did a low FODMAP dinner at a restaurant in Sydney um at, so the restaurant's called Nell and I'd met the chef there through my fiance and and some of the work that he was doing and I said to Nell I'm like I've got this idea he thought it was a great idea and so we did this dinner and the response was really overwhelming and so lovely on the night to have um, I had some friends come along as well but there was a lot of people who came because they were so excited to be able to eat at a restaurant that they probably wouldn't have gone to because of the dietary restrictions that yeah. they had. But knowing that they were going to be able to attend and, and feel really good on the night and be able to go home symptom-free and um, there is plans to do another one. It's just been um, been a busy year. <laughs> it has been. Let us know, please, when you are holding another dinner. It's a great idea. I, uh, I certainly will. I certainly will. Um, yeah, it was it was quite interesting, actually. I had so many people in Brisbane say, Chloe, run one up here. Come here. So, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> yes, look forward to hearing more. Yeah. So, um, Chloe, what, is the, what do you think is the benefit of delivering the FODMAP challenge you know, online versus in person. I know you've touched on a few points as we've gone through in the last sort of 10 minutes or so, but I wondered if you could kind of recap on that. Yeah, of course. So I think firstly, um, geography, you know, mm. you can have an internet connection from nearly anywhere these days. And um, as I mentioned, I, I think it's quite important that geography isn't a barrier to um, good quality healthcare or access to information. So that is a, it's a real core um, value for me with the FODMAP challenge. Um, time zone doesn't matter as well. So it is self-guided. So, um, you know, it's not that, you know, you need to be doing this at this time or this day. It's um, a time in the day that suits you. And so it doesn't matter where in the world you are whether you're an Australian who's living in the UK, which I've got a couple of clients doing that at the moment, or whether you're maybe somebody who is just totally from somewhere else. I think there was somebody, we had a couple of people from Argentina and um, other places around the world having a mental blank at the moment. No, that's that's still quite far-reaching. Yeah, it's been, um, and quite a few from New Zealand as well. Um, 
so yeah, it's been it's been really interesting seeing it be able to work in so many different settings and um, obviously then sometimes the foods that you might recommend are a little bit different and some of the products, um, you know, we're so lucky in Australia, there's so many fantastic Blue FODMAP products mm. on the market now um, and they're not always rec- um, available internationally. Um, but, you know, hopefully over time that continues to improve as more people learn about FODMAPs and um, companies start to develop more products. I yeah. suppose that's the real problem-solving hat that you wear as a dietitian when you get people writing to you saying, help, I can't get X or I can't get Y. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, for example, whilst the, you know, that low FODMAP muesli might not be available where they are, there's likely to be something which is a similar version. Yeah. Um, it's just not, you know, certified as being a low FODMAP muesli. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's just like if I think um, like I have quite a few sports clients who live internationally as well and, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Like you might, you know, have you like I think most dietitians probably have their go-to recommendations of products and so it's just about finding some go-to recommendations of products where that person mm. lives. And, um, yeah, I had a client the other week who I was like, well, when you're in the supermarket, just take a photo of the, the different ones and um, send them through and then we'll work out what the best one is because where that person was living, I didn't know the brands and so I wasn't sure what to recommend and um, he didn't yet feel confident with his label reading skills to um, to be able to choose it yet. So we um, so that's been a work in progress for him. Mm. And, yeah, it's, it's cool to be able to help people like that. Oh, isn't that amazing? And outside of your home country, it's, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I'm very lucky, I think. So it's lots of hard work, but, um, yeah, it's lots of fun. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's great to learn more about the FODMAP challenge. Um, as I said before, I think it's a genius idea. Um, so you've been in the FODMAP space and you also work with athletes for a while. I wondered if you could share with us the biggest kind of discovery or finding that you've made since working in this area as a, you know, as a dietitian. It's such a such a difficult question to answer, to be <laughs> honest, Kate. Um, so I think I think there's a, oh, there's obviously a few different things. So um, I think um, firstly, just how many people are so confused about what is potentially triggering their symptoms. So you know, it's unusual for someone to to walk through the door or to jump in the program without having already tried eliminating something at some point. So um, you know, probably. Removing gluten when it's actually weight is probably a really common one, but you know, there's all sorts of things that people remove from their diets thinking it could have been that. Um, rice is a really common one that people are like, I've taken the rice out and you know, now I'm feeling better. It's like, well, you, when you took the rice out, you also stopped eating the curry and stopped eating the stir fry yeah. that you were having with that. And as a result, that's really reduced the FODMAP load and or the, the food chemical load in some instances as well. And so that's that's been really that's like an interesting thing, I think. Um, I think also just discovering like the huge community of really wonderful individuals. So both like clients who have irritable bowel syndrome who I've been able to help um, or working with like food industry around helping with um, creating products or helping with recipe development of different products as well. Um, it's It's been really fun and um, I think 
as I sort of said before, really lucky to be in this space at the moment because there's so much happening and there's so many different opportunities around. So it, it helps every day be a little bit different. And um, I think having the FODMAP challenge has certainly opened a few doors um, in different spaces than I might have thought about previously. And it's truly life-changing, isn't it, when you when you can change yeah. someone's IBS, which is um, really really having maybe like a burden on what they do every day. I imagine you could, you probably get to share that with your clients. Yeah, it's, um, it's so incredibly satisfying and, um, and humbling, I think, to be able to, to see the, the changing quality of life that people can experience. And, and one of the things I mentioned earlier was around, you know, having, having someone have the confidence to leave the house, mm. which can seem so foreign to, you know, to you and I who, you know, it's sort of a given, um, but that's not the case for a lot of people. And um, being able to, to have that impact is, as I said, it's really satisfying and yeah. um, it's really lovely. Yeah. I always like I always get all teary when I think about some of my clients like it's really nice. <laughs> all the emotions. Yeah, all the emotions. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um I always like to think of um who's listening to this podcast and um, you know, those that maybe are budding dietitians or are looking to move into the gut health space or the IBS space. And so I can't think of anyone better than yourself, Chloe, to give them some advice or pearls of wisdom. So I wondered if you could share um yeah, share some advice for those. Yeah. Um, of course. So I think first and foremost to start. So um, I think rather than trying to come up with the best idea or the idea, just whatever idea it is that you have, just start doing it and um, things tend to flow from there. And um, like and we've been speaking about the FODMAP challenge today, but my, my other business, Health and Performance Collective, that is – just um, that I run that with Jess Benlove, another dietitian, and that has has had a like a lot of different ideas behind it before. We're like, let's just start and do what we know, and it can go from there. And I think that's the same regardless of what space you're in, um, whether you're you are interested in working in diet health, IBS, or in any other area of dietetics. It's just um, getting started and then also reaching out to other dietitians in the area, um, offer to help them. Um, you know, it's, you know, we like hearing from, like, I know I love hearing from other dietitians who want to learn more, um, and want to improve their skills. Um, so yeah, reach out, offer to help, um, find your own niche, be creative in what you want to do and, and back yourself as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. One thing that actually one thing you we we did a profile with you a, a year ago if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. And um I'm just I've got one of your quotes coming to mind. It was like go with your gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah, and Definitely. I love that. Yeah, so I'm I'm a huge believer in like listening to yourself and listening to what um your gut says. Um and obviously, you know, um I think, you know, there's like the head or the heart and um, along with that, you know, it's if you could look at it from, you know, going with what your heart is saying. Um, I think I think if you can come from that place of passion, um, which tends to be where that heart decision or where that gut decision is coming from, um, 
I feel like you're probably not going to go wrong too often because if it's something that you really care about, then it's you're going to put a lot more time into it. You're going to put a lot more effort into it. You're going to care a lot more about the outcomes. So when you're putting that time and effort into it, it's going to feel more rewarding when you achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah, great. Yeah. We um we love just spend love. We love um hearing about what you guys are up to and your projects. So I wondered, do you guys have a quote that you say to each other to kind of keep each other motivated or um pushing forward? Um, oh, a quote that we say to each other. Um, <laughs> um, we, I think we're we're both very like just just get it done so like just do it isn't what we say to each other but um we Jess and I are both very much of the attitude of um if you want some, want to do something then um go and do it um you, you don't get what you don't ask for essentially that's actually something we say to each other quite a, a lot recently and um so we, we've been taking that attitude with a couple of different things and um, I'm not sure exactly when this is airing. You said it's going to be airing in a, probably towards the end of the year. So Jess and I are going to Mexico in um, in three weeks and we're like, you don't get what you don't ask for. So we reached out to um, to a place that we wanted to go to there and to say we're coming, we'd love to, to come and experience it. Um, and then we've also reached out to some of the the media publications that we write for to let them know that um, we're going on this trip and would they like us to write any articles about the trip whilst we're away and um, have gotten some really lovely um, feedback and good results from that. So, again, don't ask, don't get what you don't ask for and got to do it. That's such <laughs> awesome news, Chloe. Congrats yeah. to you and Jess. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. I'm very lucky to have um, such a fantastic business partner. She, I learn from her every day. I love her, her drive and her passion and the way that she's able to strategize things. I'm like, you just – she makes stuff happen. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I was just, we were just talking earlier about how you both have sort of different strengths and that's something that seems to, they seem to really complement each other and um, work really well for your business. Yeah, exactly. So with Health and Performance Collective, the way that we've structured it is so that um, there's the two key parts of the business are working with the teams and then working in the individual private practice clinics. And the reason that we thought we should come together is because I have more experience in private practice. She has more experience in teams, but we both have some experience in both areas. And a lot of um, budding dietitians and dietitians coming through um, really want to be working in that sort of team sport space but um, we both feel that if that's all that you're doing as a new grad that's probably not going to be developing your skills in the best way because team sports are such a different space than any other um, t- any anything else in dietetics so we thought if we've got the the clinics and then we've also got the team sports then they can marry really well together and create some really fun um rewarding hopefully opportunities for people coming as they're coming through and um we currently have three clinic locations in sydney and we're about to start well by the time this airs we will have started the fourth i believe if all if if um goes according to plan (laughs) fingers crossed yeah so the space is not ready to be used yet um so once the renovations are finished we'll um 
we'll have one of our contractors working out there. And, and as I was saying, saying to you before, I'm so excited about the space. I, I kind of want to go and work out there myself, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> That's so great. And I'm sure we would have heard a bit more about it by the time this airs. And I just, I really look forward to hearing about it. It's such yeah. great news. It, yeah, no, we're, we're really excited about it. And, and um, I think, you know, we're, Jess and, and myself, we're both really proud of um, the, the work that we've done in the short time that HPC has been around and um, there's, there's so many so many grand plans. We're, we're both big grand plan, big ideas people and we figure, you know, you've got to have the ideas and then it's just about actioning them and, and executing them. And you both seem um, incredibly good at executing and um, making sure that you line everything up to, as you said, get (laughs) things done. I often feel like, you know, that duck that that gets spoken about that's on top of the water that looks really like calm and chilled and stuff and then like there's like the feet that are paddling underneath. (laughs) I feel like we're both feeling like that a lot of the time. Um, I was talking about it with with someone the other day is like, you know, Instagram is certainly the highlight reel of um, all the fun stuff. Um, It doesn't show all the, the less fun stuff, but that less fun stuff for Instagram, like you don't want to put it on there because people don't want to see it firstly. But secondly, you know, that's all of that stuff is what helps you to get the fun stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's, to be able to do like the, um, I always use a, a, an analogy of a cupcake actually is like to be able to, you know, have the cupcake with the sprinkles on the icing on the cake. Um, you know, you've, you've got to put the effort and the time and work into baking that cake. Um, I love yeah. that. Mm, thanks. <laughs> so you, you seem to have accomplished a lot already, Chloe, but I'm, I'm wondering what's next on your list and what do you still dream of achieving in the future? Um, so many things. <laughs> um, so I think from a FODMAP challenge perspective, um, I'm just, I'm really excited to see where that goes. Um, I'd like it to be able to continue to grow. Um, it's got, um, really nice little team helping out with running it at the moment, which is, um, which is really, it's lots of fun, but I'd, I'd love it to, be more global than it currently is which there's a there's a few works in progress for that to be happening at the moment um then from a hpc perspective um yeah so many so many grand plans so many ideas of things that we want to do there but i think at the moment we're looking at um really sort of knuckling down with with all of the clinic locations that we have to to help them to really flourish um also with the teams we've got, we, we probably can't really have any more teams in Sydney. Um, so that's probably tapped out, but then we can potentially not be in Sydney as well. So there's, there's, all, there's lots of ideas there. Um, You're hinting to a lot of um, bigger, <laughs> bigger ideas. I love well, it. Well, domination is, I think, what we're planning, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, one step <laughs> at a time, hey. Exactly. So, you know, I think, you know, you've got to dream big and you've got to have big ideas because if you don't, then um, like where are you going? Um, Mm. As I said, though, it's not just about the ideas. You've you've got to be able to able and willing to put the work into executing them as well. Mm. And um, yeah, no one I'd rather be doing it with than Jess. So it's it's pretty good. That's (laughs) awesome. We'll have to talk to Jess at some point so we can get her story as well. 
definitely. I think she would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chloe. I've just really enjoyed learning more about um, the FODMAP challenge, your dreams, and also how you go about getting things done. It's been such a great chat. And um, thank you so much for your time and for sharing it with us. Such a pleasure, Kate. Uh, It's been such a pleasure to be on the podcast. And and thank you so much for, for having me. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dietitian Connection podcast. If you haven't already, we would love for you to check out the other episodes that we have available. We speak to trailblazers, dietitians who are doing amazing work within their practice and their businesses and also those who have really changed and advanced our profession. There's a whole library to choose from. And if you did enjoy the show, it would be so great if you could leave a review for us on iTunes and also uh, to pass this podcast on to your colleagues and friends. Thanks again for listening.